Today, the title of the message is, go to the next slide, Elijah, all about love. Say love. How many are excited about love? Amen. The focus, uh, how, how many, this, now, this, this message could be about anything, right? This message could be about, we're going to go through this, a book of the Song of Solomon. We're going to go, <laughs> we're going to talk. No, we're not. We're not doing that. Uh, listen, <clears throat> uh, maybe someday we'll do that. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be real interesting. But uh, the focus today is not going to be so much on romantic love as the love that we have as believers and as a church. How many know the center of our faith is Jesus? Amen? That Jesus is God and God is love. Amen? It, we, should, we should have a full understanding that God is love. 1 John 4, 7-12 through 12 says this, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Elijah, do you have it in the slides there? No, I'm just going to read it to you then. Uh, anyone who does not love, listen to this, does not know God, because God is love. Verse 9 says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. We've talked about that before. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12 says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. How many want to be perfected in God? His love is perfected in us. This church, Calvary Gospel Assembly, should be a church that is marked as a church that loves people. How many know we as believers should be known by our love for people? Amen? God's love was manifested to us through Jesus, and if we abide in Jesus, we abide in love. If you don't have love in your life, you're not abiding in Jesus. Amen? There's uh, too many people who would call themselves Christians, but have no love for other people. How many ever heard somebody say, I, don't, I just don't like people? I don't like people. Man, everything, I would love ministry if it wasn't for those dang people. Right? That happens sometimes, right? But how many know that that's not a great attitude to have? It's not something, a Christian shouldn't say they don't love people. Amen? Why? Because there are some people who annoy us. There are some people who push our buttons. There's, there, how many know, sometimes I'm one of those people. Amen, Doug? I'm one of those people sometimes, right? It goes, there are some people, even, listen, there are some people that we should be careful and even worry of, right? But our hope for all people, for all people should be that they come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. For all people. It's impossible to be a part of that process if you don't love them. It's impossible to be a part of the process of bringing people to Jesus if you don't love them. If you would... Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews is towards the end of the New Testament. It is placed just before the book of James. If you know anything about Hebrews, there's some dispute as to who the author of Hebrews is. Some believe it to be Paul. Others believe it to be someone that was very close to Paul in ministry. Uh, regardless of who the author is, I want to look at our really our main scripture and then the show the connection with the letter Paul wrote to the church in Rome. So, we're going to start with Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. It should be up there, Elijah. It is? Yeah. Here we go. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. 
For he who promises faithful, stay there, Elijah, don't go, don't go ahead. Let us hold unswervingly. What does that mean? How many ever drove before with somebody swerving in the road? Uh, my daughter is, is in driver's head. And when she's on the dirt road, sometimes I have to tell her, hey, stay on the road. <laughs> because there's times where she swerves. Let us hold unswervingly. It means we're not going this way or that way. We are on the straight and narrow. Amen? Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together, this is important, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Say encouraging. And all the more so as you see the day drawing near. Let us hold to the confession of our hope. Let it be unwavering. Let it be unswerving. True love is Christ-focused. Amen? We don't want our focus to be on trends. We don't want our focus to be on politics. We don't want our focus to be on entertainment. But we want to wholly and consistently be focused on Christ. Now, in our lives, there is politics and entertainment, and there's just life, right? And so there's things that happen where we go, man, all of these, there's these trends, it's culture. All of these things are trying to take our focus away from Jesus. That's what all of these things do. You say, did you hear what that so-and-so said on TV the other night? Can you believe the speech that they had? Can you believe what that politician said? Can you believe what that actor said or that actress said? Guess what? I don't care what an actor has to say. Do you want to know why? They're just another person. I really don't care what an actor has to say about politics or gender or culture. I really don't care if somebody that has no biblical background wants to tell us how to live our lives. And we go, well, they're on a very popular TV show or they're really popular in movies, so I better listen to them. I don't care if they're good at sports. I don't care if they've been raised up in the eyes of the world as someone who is great and powerful. Unless they are rooted in Jesus Christ, I don't want to hear what they have to say about a lot of things. You say, well, Pastor David, I mean, is there anything wrong with politics? Is there anything wrong with entertainment? Is there anything wrong with those different things? No. No. And we, there's things that we can take part in and be a part of, but we want our focus to be on Christ this morning. Amen? We want our focus to be on Christ in all things. And so when your politician says something that is against the Word of God, you go, I don't care what party you belong to. If that's against the Word of God, that's against the Word of God. Amen? Come on. I don't care what your favorite, who your favorite actor is or favorite actress is or whatever it may be. When they start doing stuff and pushing stuff that's against the Word of God, we go, hold on a second. I don't agree with that. Why? Because our love should be Christ-focused. Our lifestyle should be Christ-focused. If we're not pointing to Christ, let me tell you this, we are wasting our time. If we're not pointing to Christ, we are wasting our time. If we're not putting Jesus at the forefront of this ministry, then we should shut our doors. We really should. Because as much as I love you guys, as much as I love church family, and I love fellowship, and I love potlucks, and I love you know coming together for games and all that stuff, 
truth of it is this. If we are not focused on Christ, we're just a social club. And we might as well just go home. Why? The focus is Jesus. I want to go to the second point. It says this. It says, and let us consider one another in order to store up love and good works. What does that mean, consider one another? To stir up love and good works. So we consider one another. We're going to go to Romans chapter 14. And we're going to go to verse 14. It says this. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. Say nothing is unclean. Right? But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. Go to the next slide. It says, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Go to the next slide. It says, therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness. Say righteousness. Peace. Say peace. And joy, say joy, in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy. Go to the next slide. It says this, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Is there anything else after that? Therefore, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Go to the next slide. There you go. Go back one. Paul is speaking to the Romans here. And the context of what he's talking about here are arguments over what was clean and what was unclean in reference to the foods that people were eating, right? So as people were becoming Christians... Some were struggling with the dietary laws that had been put, put on them for years. How many know that if you're, I mean, if you're Jewish, there are certain dietary laws that you would follow. You don't eat pork. You don't eat, you know, all of those things. So uh, no bacon. Say no bacon. Oh, no bacon. Uh, a few months ago, I was trying to eat healthier. And so I thought, well, I should probably cut out bacon for my life altogether. That was not a decision made in wisdom. Uh, so, but I, I told my wife, I said, will you get some, we got veggie bacon. Oh man, <laughs> that's, that's on the camera now. That's not, it's on YouTube. Uh, here's the thing I did. I, I cooked it up. I ate it. I, I thought it tasted like bacon bits, honestly. Uh, but how many know it's not bacon, right? How many of you ever had turkey bacon? Yeah, that's a lie. All right? The devil is a liar, right? Come on. Listen, so here's what happens. So to eat, so, so I mean, yeah, anyhow, that's it. That's a nice little rabbit trail. So to eat something labeled as unclean, listen, was foreign to them, namely eating meat. So earlier in Romans 14, we see that this is the case. And uh, it, it says this, actually, uh, let's go to Romans 14, verse 1. It says, accept the ones whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. It's interesting. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. 
The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Uh, so in this case, we see those who were described as vegetarians. Say vegetarians. Uh, I don't want to offend anybody who's a vegetarian here, but I feel sorry for you. Vegetarians, listen, here's the thing. Some They were offended by those eating meat. And they were in the faith, and those who were eating meat, they would get into debates and arguments. How many know I can get into a debate and argument with you pretty much about anything? Right? And in an effort to prove my point, I will make a federal case out of it. Right? Oh, you don't want to eat meat? Carol, play along. Come on now. <laughs> And, and we, can, we can get in arguments with people about things like that, right? Oh, you don't want to do this? Oh, well, you know, the Bible says this. And the Bible says, well, that's true. The Bible does say certain things. But when it comes to the things that are disputable, how many say, say disputable? There are certain things that we, I mean, we can try to prove our point. But Paul references those who were offended as being weak. Say weak. They had not come to know the liberty they had in the stronger, more mature Christians that had already come to know the liberty. So there are, so Paul here clearly is saying there are Christians who are strong and there are Christians who are weak. There are Christians who are weaker and there's Christians who are more mature. Paul acknowledges clearly that he knows and is convinced by Christ that nothing is unclean in and of itself, but that if someone would consider it unclean, to them it is unclean. And so Paul wasn't talking about ungodly things. How many know uh, he wasn't talking about sinful things, right? Right. We know that, there, that in those things there is no liberty, say no liberty. In sin there is only enslavement. And so he's not talking about sinful things or things that are black and white, right? He's talking about the gray areas of life. How many know there's a lot of gray areas in life, right? He was talking about things that could rightfully be seen in one way or the other, depending on your viewpoint. How many know not everybody thinks the same way? It makes life exciting, doesn't it? Right? It makes life exciting because not everybody thinks the same way. Another thing they were struggling over was what days to keep holy. What are the days that we're going to keep holy? The weaker believer had a set day in their mind to keep holy, give it to the Lord and say, this is it. Those who had liberty in Christ basically, basically said a holy day can be any day as long as you commit that day to God. How many know there's liberty in that, right? There's freedom in that. Another struggle, another struggle, say another struggle. How many know there's always another struggle sometimes, right? Another struggle was over drinking wine. Or drinking, let's just say, uh, drinking beer, drinking alcohol in today's vernacular. How many, uh, well, I'm not going to uh, ask for who raises their hands for wine over beer or whatever. But uh, in case you wondered what kind of church you went to this morning, uh, <laughs> some were totally against it. How many know there's some that are totally against it, right? And then there are some that felt that in the freedom that they had, the maturity they had, meant that they could indulge in wine without being sinful. How many know we, we want to, as a church, practice balance in our life, right? The Bible says clearly not to be drunk. The Bible also talks about wine, and we've 
had a, I've preached about this all before, and, and if you have the liberty in that and the freedom of that, God bless you. Be careful. And uh, don't cause your brother to stumble and don't, don't be in sin, right? But in case you're not aware, this is interesting. It's the same struggles we have in the church today that they had 2,000 years ago. Same struggles, same things. People are arguing about, well, what about this? What about that? Is this unclean? Is that unclean? What can I do? And at first glance, these things would seem trivial. And to be honest with you, at second glance, these things would seem trivial. Do you want to know why they seem trivial? Because they are trivial. You say, are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. These things are trivial. It's interesting. The issues were trivial. What's unclean? What's not unclean? Can I drink this? Can I drink that? That's trivial. However, how those issues were being addressed was not trivial. How those issues were being addressed was not trivial. Paul's direction to them is closely tied to the instructions given in Hebrews chapter 10. Consider one another. How many know the Bible calls us to consider one another? The Bible calls us to keep each other in mind. The Bible calls us to love one another, right? Those who call themselves believers should always do their best to consider one another. When mistakes are made, how many know we need to be quick to show grace? Because mistakes are going to be made. If we go back, okay, so if we go and we look, the one who eats everything must not treat the one with contempt, the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. If God has accepted them, why should we not accept them? Go to uh, 14, go to verse 1. Go back a couple, couple verses. It says this, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. The first point here is very important because, like we said, there's things that are disputable versus things that are not. There are some matters or convictions that are gray areas. They're disputable. What team is going to win the Super Bowl today? I don't care. Some people say Bengals. You care? You got money on it, Carol? What's going on? Yeah? I don't care. <laughs> right? So we go, hey, it could be, I, I don't care. I mean, I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to watch the game. We're going to watch the commercials. But I really don't care. Uh, then there are those things. Though that's disputable. Who cares? Right? Then there are those things which are clearly biblical. I want you to keep in mind this morning that we are called to consider one another, uh, one another, right? But we cannot compromise on the truth of the Bible. We cannot compromise on the truth of the Word of God. And we want to speak that truth in love. When we say it's all about love, it's about how we speak to people. It's about how we speak to people, how we talk to people. We want to speak truth in love. So we have the example of that which would be disputable, in this case, vegetarians. And there's some people who are fanatical about being vegetarians. How many know, even today, there's people who are fanatical about being vegetarians. There's people who are fanatical about, you know, working out and exercise and doing all those things that I know I should do, but I don't. So there's people that are just fanatical about it, right? But how many know, as annoying as they may be at times, God received them just like he received you. Amen? That Jesus Christ died for them just like he died for you. That his blood was shed for them just like it was for you. 
We talked about this a few weeks ago. We talked about the, somebody who was like really annoying to me. And I know that's foreign to some people, right? That's that nobody is annoying to some people other than me talking from here. Uh, how many know that there are times people in our life are annoying, they're grinding, they're awful. They make us roll our eyes. They make us just go, oh my goodness, every time you talk, I just go, praise the Lord, grace. Grace, grace, wonderful grace. Hmm, hallelujah. I say some other words too, but grace, grace, wonderful grace, right? And so they make us roll our eyes. But but listen, God received them, right? Just like He received you in all of our faults, in all the things that we mess up in, and all the things that we screw up in. God loved us in that while we were sinners, He died for us. You say, Pastor David, but, you know, I'm right. How I many you know that sometimes? Well, I'm right. And you might have a dispute with somebody. You might have a dispute over, over the liberties that you have. And you go, well, you know, my Bible says that I'm, I'm clean and, 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 and got, okay, I'm right. I used to have a pastor. It's going to be on YouTube, so it's true. Uh, but I used to have a pastor that he would get in an argument with somebody, and he would go, well, you know, you have the right to be wrong. <laughs> Can I tell you, that is not a great line to use. I, I once was with a guy at work. I was working in sales, and uh, we were arguing over something, and I used that line. And I really shouldn't have because he got red faced, his fist balled up and he's like, if that's going to be your attitude, I can't even talk to you. It took like time for us to like to reconcile that relationship. Why? Because there's times things are disputable. There's things that you may be right in your liberty. And I'll say this clearly. You may be right in your liberty. You may be right according to Scripture. But in not considering your brother, you cause him to stumble. And in doing so, you are at risk of destroying the work of God. And so because we, we may have liberty in these things, because we're considering one another, we don't want to cause our brother to stumble. And we don't want to be at risk of destroying the work of God in their life. There's times where even, even I as a pastor, there's times where the Lord speaks to me and says, oh no, you know, you do have liberty in that stuff. You do have freedom in that stuff, but be careful. Because there's liberties that we have as believers, right? But we don't want to cause our brothers to stumble. So what does that mean, Pastor David? I mean, does that mean that, uh, that I can't eat meat? Does that mean that I can't drink wine? Does that mean that I can't have a beer? Does that mean this, this, or this? No, what it means is be considerate. If the Christian life is all about love, then this should be initial. That we need to be considerate. It doesn't mean that you're wrong to enjoy things in moderation, but you don't want to cause somebody to stumble over your liberty that they don't have. I was on a missions trip to Honduras many, many years ago now. And we got word from the church that someone in our team would not be allowed to preach unless he would get a haircut. Now you say, well, wait a minute, how does that make sense? He had, uh, this is a, a, a guy that had a longer hair. He had long hairstyle. 
So he had it usually in a ponytail. Uh, it was no big deal, but it was probably down to his back or something like that. And in Honduras, it's an interesting thing. He was an excellent guy. Excellent. I mean, loved the Lord. He loved to, he, he wanted to preach. He was there for on a missions trip, but his hairstyle was similar to that of gangs in Honduras. And so because it was similar to the gangs in Honduras, the people of the church were very offended by it. And so the pastor came to us, came to the leadership, and said, uh, he needs to cut his hair. And the guy was like, no way. I mean, I don't really relate to this, but some people take pride in their hair. Some, it's take a few of you a minute. Uh, all right. Some people, I mean, really, it may have taken many, many years for him to, to get it just to the right, uh, right length. And uh, maybe that's just what, it, but he was just angry. Said, there is no way I'm cutting my hair. No way. Honestly, we were kind of surprised because, man, we knew he was there. We knew he was there to, to preach. He wanted to love the, loves the Lord. And, and I thought, boy, he really. He really doesn't. I mean, his response was too bad. They're just going to have to live with it. Well, no, they didn't have to live with it. It's here's what he said: "It's their problem, not mine." Yikes! <laughs> right? It's their problem, not mine. Now we spoke to him for a while, and eventually he began to see that it was more important to be considerate to them in their culture. So he, could so he could continue to minister to, the, to them without offending them. Now, culturally, was he, was he right? Were they right? Who was right in that situation? He had freedoms they didn't want. They, they didn't have the same freedoms. Who was right in what situation? The right thing always, regardless of the position, is to be considerate of one another. Not when it comes to issues of sin, because in issues of sin, there are things that are disputable, right? In issues when it comes to sin, we, we don't waver in that regard. It comes to issues of sin, there's, there, listen, there was nothing wrong with his hair, really. In our country, it would never be an issue. But in there, it was an issue. And so we are to consider one another. The last thing uh, is this. Um... Let me say this before we move on. If you are a Christian, life is not a disputable matter. You hear me clearly? If you call yourself a Christian, a matter of a baby inside a womb, and people will call it a fetus, a thing, or whatever. But that's a baby made in the image and likeness of God. And that is not disputable. Issues of gender and sexuality that go against the commands of the Lord, that go against God's design for our bodies, those are not disputable. Right? We approach people on these subjects and we approach people with these things with love, but unwavering. We need to be unwavering in our convictions because why? Not because I thought it up, because the Word of God tells us. If it's an idea I thought up, there's a good chance it can be disputed. 
But when it comes from the Word of God, there is no disputing that. Amen? The Bible says, before you were in the womb, I knew you. Man, I love that. Because you think about, you know, we have so many babies in the church. We have so many young children and babies in the church, and it's such a blessing. And you think about, man, the potential that God has for that child to rise up and, and, and be a minister, to, be, to, to love people around them, to, to be who God has called them to be. I think about Sam Austin. I think about little babies, and if I don't call out your baby's name, please don't be offended, but I really, I think about Noah, I think about Will, I think about all these babies, I think about Grace. Right? I think about Oak and Sonny. I think about Olivia too. <laughs> that God wants to use you in so many tremendous ways. I think about my babies, and I'm sure as parents you think about yours and how God can use them, right? I love little Reagan. She has such a great smile, and she comes up, and, and I, we were playing, we were, uh, man, we were playing uh, ice hockey with her. She was the puck. Uh, we, were, we, had, we had hockey sticks, and we were pushing her across the ice, and her and Lux, and, and man, it was just such an awesome moment, but it's one of those things where I go, man, just, just they are knit in the image and likeness of God and as they grow up and learn about the Savior and learn about salvation and they give themselves over to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in their lives, man, they can be used for His glory. They can be used to bring souls into heaven. And I'm telling you, when you have Christians that say life is a choice or that's not a baby, they are outside their minds and they are outside the Word of God. And we do not waver on those issues. Disputable matters, we approach things with, we, we, we want to approach all things with love. Amen? We, we really do. We want to approach all things with love. Last thing. Uh, go, uh, if you would, Elijah, go back a few verses. It's still in Romans 14, but go back a few verses. Uh, go back one more. Keep going. Yeah, here we go. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and more so as the day approaches. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, right? Exhorting one another. What does it mean to exhort? Exhort means to encourage or to urge, or to press. To urge each other means to encourage each other, to be together. You say, well, what are you doing on Wednesday nights? There's food, fun, and games. Listen, we're not just doing that for fun. We're doing that because we want to have connection together. We want people, and I said this at the business meeting, we want people from this side of the church to learn who the people are on this side of the church. Because sometimes how many know? Sometimes it's years and you go, oh, there's a new person here today. Well, no, they're not new. They just decided to sit somewhere else this morning. My, I grew up with, in a larger church. Um, it started out at about 200 when I was about six, seven, eight years old. And then it, and then it grew to like 1,500. It grew, I mean, just, just exponentially, right? One day, the youth pastor showed up. And was came in, and a greeter, very nice guy, shook his hand, said, "Welcome to, welcome to the church." And he said, "Is it your first time here?" And he said, "No, I'm the youth pastor." 
And he goes, oh, I've never met you before. And they had been there together for years. And he went, oh. Now, how many know, this is, I believe this is really important. The Bible says to do it more so as the day is approaching. As we are coming towards the end. As we are coming towards that day when Jesus on a white horse comes and, and, and takes over, right? That we need to connect more as that day approaches. We need to be in more fellowship. We need to be more connected. We need to be more involved in our church family. Why? Because as much as I love my blood, if they're not connected to Jesus, they're not going to be with me in eternity. As much as I love my brothers and sisters, my aunts and uncles and cousins, and, and if they don't love the Lord Jesus, if they don't have a relationship with Christ, they're not going to be with me in eternity. Those who claim Christ, who love the Lord, who move with us in ministry, whether they go to this church, they go to Grandview, they go to Cross, or Crosswinds or Crossroads, whatever it's called now. Uh, I forget what it's called. I'm sorry. Good news. That's what it's called. Uh, people that love the Lord. People that we're, we need to be connected as believers. People that aren't wavering on the hardcore black and white issues. People that encourage one another. People that love one another. Right? It's such a cool thing that we can come together as church family. It says this in Romans 15, verse 1 through 7. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another. I like that. With one another. That we're to give perseverance and encouragement to one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may live with one voice, glorifying the Lord God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Accept one another. The message here is clear. Let those who are mature in the faith, there's many here who are mature in the faith, amen? Lift up and strengthen those who are not. Bear their weaknesses. Share their burdens. Help them to mature just as at one point somebody helped you. When we become Christians and, and we start off as baby Christians, man, sometimes, you know, you know what babies do, right? They whine a lot. Sometimes they poop their pants, right? Am I saying anything that's not true, guys? Come on, right? Sometimes babies just, they, they, need, they need extra care. They need extra attention. They need extra love. They need extra grace, right? Help them to mature just like someone helps you. In fact, it's the definition of discipleship. It's the definition of discipleship. People want to have, you know, we talk about 
small group, doing a discipleship class and whatever. This is discipling in life. This is what it is. It's to encourage one another. It's to lift each other up. It's to help those who are weaker become stronger. It's to consider one another. It's to love one another. I like the message version. It paraphrases this this way. It says, those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. To lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not for status. Man, I love that. Strength is for, for service, not for status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can we help? Because that's what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles. He waded right in and helped. I took on the troubles of the troubled, is the way the Scripture puts it. Even if it was written in Scripture long ago, you can be sure it's written for us today. right? Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind. God gave us these things to use, not just for ourselves. They give us these things to use for each other. If you would stand with me this morning. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us into the glory of God. A church that loves accepts one another. It doesn't compromise the Word of God, right? We, we understand that clearly. It doesn't dismiss the need for growth. It recognizes that Christ accept, accepted us in our dirtiness, in our loneliness. And really, when we were lost in our own mud and dirt, Christ reached out to us. Amen? How many, how many know that at one point you were lost? And it was by the blood of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, that you were found. When we were lost in our dirt and mud, Christ reached out to us, and so we are to do the same for others. To be about love means to be at least, at least about these three things. There are more, but here's the basics. Number one, hold fast to Christ. He is the center of it all. We want Him to be the center of this church. Number two, consider one another, because in doing so, we stir up love and good works. And number three, we consistently connect with each other, and even more so as we see the day approaching. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank You for those who are here this morning. Lord, I thank You for those who are watching online, watching on YouTube. Lord, I pray that we would remember to hold fast to You. Lord Jesus, let You be the center of everything we do in this ministry, in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would consider one another because in doing so, Lord, we stir up love and good works. Lord, I pray that we would connect with each other, that we would consistently connect, not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. And we would do it even more as we see the day approaching. Lord, I pray over those who are here, over those who are watching online. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, I pray that you would give them rest. In Jesus' name, amen.